When I was younger, I grew up in a family who uh, attended a local church in our local community. And we attended this on a, a fairly regular basis. We, we went to church. My mom sang in the choir. My grandfather played the organ for 50 years in his local church. And my mom and dad actually met within their local church. And so this was something when I was younger that my family would do on a regular basis. We were involved in a local church. So I grew up in my early years attending that church. But to be honest, Sunday was really just something that we did on Sunday. We just attended service. I remember my father having mints in his pockets and he would hand those mints over to me. And it it really kind of had a feeling like we were just sort of getting through uh, something that we needed to do on a Sunday morning. And we would actually do midweek things as well. When I was in grade seven and grade eight, uh, I had to be confirmed. I had to do two years of formal Bible study classes to learn about the Christian faith, to learn how to live that Christian faith. And so uh, that was all just so that we could uh, take communion, uh, have our first communion at that church. And so these are things that I grew up with, things that I did. I attended church. I attended midweek programs. I listened to the Bible being read. I listened to preachers teaching about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about following God. But here's the thing. I believed. I believed that God was real. But I didn't believe that God was relational. I didn't really understand that God could be a deep, active part of my life. It was more like visiting as a stranger. I would show up to church and visit. I would take that little bit of time and put my time in to be spiritual, so to speak, by learning about him. But I, I, as soon as Sunday afternoon hit, you just turned all that off and you just went about living everyday life. Often, my younger life was about waking up in the morning and just making today about me. I'm going to do this today, and I'm going to do that today, and I'm going to accomplish this, and I'm going to accomplish that, and here's my to-do list. Here's the things that I need to sift through uh, going through today. And this is just me as a young boy moving into being a young teenager. Church was kind of just something we did, something we needed to do because that's what our family did. But it's interesting because after I got confirmed and Grandma and Grandpa were happy because I got confirmed, we started pulling away. It was like it was that was the finishing point, that being confirmed and being able to take communion, we could now begin to pull away, and we didn't attend church as much. We got busy with sports and different things. It's interesting how we, in our society, even claiming to be Christians, believing in Jesus Christ, separate so deeply our spiritual selves from our regular everyday life. Now something changed. Something very distinct happened in my life. And it's not this one moment kind of distinct thing. I actually think it's something that God was progressively working on 
in my life because I believed in him, but I didn't think that he was actually active in my life. And so what God was often doing to me was constantly showing me his presence, but I was constantly ignoring it. But I began to slowly, through relationships with other people, understand that God offered this thing called grace. Now, when I was first told about grace, I didn't really think I needed anything to do with grace because I thought that grace was just for broken people who, whose lives were a mess. And my life just frankly wasn't like that. My life wasn't a mess. I was a normal kid, a normal teenager doing normal teenage things, even though that's not always the best option. But it was once I experienced and actually understood that grace was for me. That grace was something that rooted back into who I was as a human being and this deep need to be forgiven, this deep need to be transformed into the likeness of this God that I had been attending different things about. Everything, when I experienced this grace, became new. And that's what I talked about last week. Last week I talked about the newness that the New Testament calls the church to. That everything is new. That they were all living in new grounds, working through new things, including the Apostle Paul and all the other apostles. They didn't have all this figured out. It was all new. And this grace that they were experiencing created this newness. It created this change in perspective of the world around them. And that's what happened to me when I finally realized that it wasn't about my personal current circumstances of why I needed grace, but it was actually about my internal natural brokenness as a human being to why I needed grace. It changed everything. Everything was new. It was like a fresh painting. It was like fresh paint on the walls. Everything was new. That's what I talked about last week. This newness and the freedom that that newness brings. And we grounded that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. God made me new and he changed my perspective about him and he gave me this new freedom. Now, last week, I talked about this freedom and I talked about how important it is in the Christian life to be living free in the life of the church. And this week, I want to continue unpacking this concept of newness and the freedom that God offers us by adding two new pieces to the picture. You see, not only has God called us to newness that is free, he also calls us to a new faithfulness and a new way of living and making decisions. So this is what knowing salvation did for me. Knowing salvation created in me a new faithfulness and a new compass in life. So my old self attended church. My old self did some of the religious things at the religious times. But my old self separated my spiritual life and my regular life life. But my new self, the one who knew grace and salvation, has merged all that together. Let me explain. In 2 Thessalonians, listen to what Paul says. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, he says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You see, nothing in my life as a church attender made me live my life standing firm to what I had been taught. But yet, that's what Paul calls us to, to stand firm and hold fast to his teachings that he has passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. You see, I just lived my life the way I wanted to. I prioritized things the way that I wanted to. So what changed when I experienced grace? You see, grace, I believe, is what actually motivates faith. Grace motivates faith, and in the New Testament, we see clearly that the church is called to be driven by grace-empowered faithfulness. A new kind of faithfulness, a new way of doing life. Now, I need to unpack that a little bit for you. See, faith equals trust, and faithfulness is trust over time. It's actually the same Greek word in the Greek text. There isn't a different word in the Greek text for faithfulness and faith. You see, when we interpret scripture, we have to determine uh, what Paul is leaning toward. We, We have one word for faith and faithfulness, and yet we interpret some of it as faith and some of it as faithfulness. An example of that would be Galatians, where Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, And one of the fruits of the Spirit we interpret in most of our Bibles is faith. The gift of the Spirit is faith. Uh, A fruit of the Spirit is faith. But that same word could also be translated as faithfulness. So is it faith or is it faithfulness? What exactly is Paul trying to tell us in in, in Galatians? He's telling us that it's both. That's why it's only one word. We are to have faith, trust in God, and we are to live faithful, trusting in God over time. That that is a fruit of the Spirit. Living our lives in Christ means that we must live by faith and live faithfully. They're connected. They're one and the same. You see, faithfulness requires daily commitment and a lifelong commitment to God. So there's this daily living by faith, and then there's this lifelong, long-term commitment of faithfulness. Listen to how Paul expresses this in Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is is gain. You see, to Paul, living in Christ, we hear him say that a lot, living in Christ was everything. He dedicated to Jesus absolutely everything, including his life here on earth. This is why, folks, I have such a hard time understanding 
why people in the church separate their work week and their church time. Because to me, that was what I did when I didn't live faithful. You see, when I didn't live faithful, I attended church. I did my things, just like I said, but I wasn't living with faithfulness. I was doing my own thing. And I don't understand. I have a hard time grasping how we can be in Christ and not be with Christ always, saturated in his presence, giving him our whole self and our whole day. You see, to Paul, for to him, for to me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is my everything and I give all of it to him at all times. I don't get how we have God time and we have me time, that it's something that is separate. And I think the reason I don't understand that is because that's not how scripture communicates the Christian life at all. Each day, folks, should start with giving your day to God. So each day should not start with, what do I have to accomplish today? What is my to-do list? What is the things that I need to do at work? What are the things I need to do at home? That's not how scripture says that your day should begin. And the church specifically is called to be faithful in everything that we do. Everything. In in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Faithfulness is about giving everything to God. When we wake up in the morning, we have to give our day to God by purposely making God a part of everything in our day. We're purposely making God a part of our to-do list. We recognize that that to-do list is actually a gift given to us by God and that we are going to be faithful in how we work through that to-do list. Faithfulness is trusting God in all things throughout our entire day. Essentially, the Christian church and its people should live by two main driving principles. And scripture gives us these, and and you know them, they're super familiar uh, to many Christians, but the Jews would actually recite these two things. They had a ritual where they would wake up every morning and in their morning prayer time, they would recite what these two basic principles about how a person of faith goes about being faithful. They called it the Shema, and it was in Matthew chapter 12, in math, or sorry, Mark chapter 12. It was here, O Israel, this is the New Testament's version of it. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So making that theological statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says in this passage, there is no commandment greater than these. These are our two guiding principles, folks, to faithfulness. Every day we wake up and we're driven not by our to-do lists, not by the things that we need to accomplish, but we're driven by these two principles of loving God and loving others. 
That's the starting point of your day. This morning, I'm going to love God and love others. This afternoon, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others. Tonight, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love others. Sometimes, I will also start my day like this. I'll use a prayer that's from the Book of Common Prayer. This is liturgy. This is from the Anglican Church. And it says this, it says, Lord God Almighty and Everlasting Father. I'll just recite this, but I'm meaning it. This is how I'm setting up my day to live faithfully to God. You have brought me in safety to this new day. So you notice I'm recognizing in this prayer the sovereignty of God, that it's, it's God that has brought me in safety to this new day. It's not anything I accomplished. It's not anything I did. And then I'll pray, preserve me with your mighty power, because I can't preserve myself. I need God to preserve me, specifically that I may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity. And then this is the key piece. The prayer says, in all I do, Lord, in the rest of my day, direct me to the fulfilling of your purpose. You see, the fulfilling of your purpose, not the fulfilling of my purpose, not the goals that Jeff has today. Those are just secondary things to the loving God and loving others, to the giving my whole day to the Lord, to living faithful. You see, the fulfilling of God's purpose is to love God and to love others. And this means, folks, that faithfulness is driven by others' centeredness. And we can't get away from this. This is the way the New Testament talks. And others' centeredness is driven by grace. Not driven by working harder at it. Not driven by practicing our religion better. But driven by the grace that we have received because we are broken without Christ. Grace motivates my faithfulness. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to ask yourself, is this true in your life? Grace, to me, motivates my faithfulness. My understanding that God loves me for who I am, that I am not perfect, that I'm actually far from it, and that God will guide me and make me into who he wants me to be if I live my life through him, in him, and for him. This understanding of not being able to do my life alone, on my own, like on my own terms, this understanding of that, it drives my love for God and for others. This is what drives the bearing with one another in love. This is why I can agree to disagree with someone else in love in the church. You see, the Christian church, according to the New Testament, must be this kind of faithful church, dedicated to loving God and others above absolutely everything. We can't separate it into spiritual and unspiritual because everything is about God and everything is about living in Christ. And I think that, that, that we struggle with this naturally because we struggle with an understanding of my second point. And my second point is that the church is called to live under a new guidance, to make decisions differently than how we did before we knew Christ. So let me ask you, 
What guides your life? What guides your decisions? What guides your individual freedom? Do you think that your individual freedom is about choosing your liberties? Or that freedom, that the freedom you've received in Christ drives you to be a slave of God? What defines you? Are you free because you get to choose? Or are you free because you've become a slave to Jesus? Scripture is super clear that we're called to be slaves to God. You see, if you are the one who decides and guides your life, your life will be full of sinful corruption. That's what scripture says. It'll be centered on self and you'll just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus into your life when you have time. Jesus won't be the centerpiece. He won't be the one you're dedicating your life to, you're dedicating your to-do list to. Jesus will just be part of your to-do list, some other checkbox to check off. He won't be centering who you are. You see, faithful Christians are guided by two things. This is something that deeply shifted in my life from attending church to actually faithfully living my life for Jesus. And these are the two things that guide me and scripture calls to guide us. Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say that scripture should be guiding us in everything we do, I don't mean individual verses taken out of context to justify something that we want scripture to say. Scripture gives us or walks us through the story of God and of God's people. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 says. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accept it. Now listen to what he says. You accept it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So you see my, my belief system that God wasn't actually active in my life. What this is saying is, is that this, this non-human word that was written by human beings is actually the word of God and it's actually at work in me when I believe. You see, the Bible was written by humans who were directed by God. In 2 Timothy, you guys are all super familiar with this verse. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is God's grand narrative that speaks to us, teaches us, and guides us. And it's perfectly written the way God wanted it to be written. So being guided by scripture means that we learn to live our lives within God's grand story. And this means that if our, our understanding of a passage goes outside of God's nature and narrative, then we're reading it wrong. You've all heard this from me before. You know all of this stuff. But we need to learn, folks, to let God's story, to let his story guide you to find yourself in God's story as God's people. This means that we learn 
to discern the kingdom of God with the people of God, with one another in community, guided by the Spirit of God. And so we don't take Scripture and make it say something that it doesn't. What we do is we take Scripture that speaks to us and is alive, and we are inserted into God's story, and we live as God's children within that story. And Scripture builds that narrative around us, and it means that we need one another to help discern the kingdom of God within the community of God, so we're guided by the Holy Spirit. And that leads me to a new guidance. Churches not only need to be led by Scripture, but they need to be Spirit-led as well. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Paul says this, For for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Think about that statement for a second. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, he's insinuating that there's those who are not, but for those who are led by the Spirit of God, those people are the children of God. So Spirit-led equals God's children. Self-led, not God's children. Do you see the connection there? There's actually a distinct separation that I believe Paul makes on purpose. Those who are living faithfully dedicated lives in Christ, are living their lives through God every moment, following the nature of who God is and his guiding words to us, all the while being led by God's spirit that lives in us. Listen to what Jesus says in John's gospel. In John's gospel in chapter 14. Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remain, remind you of everything that I said to you. You see, when Jesus' when Jesus's disciples got worried about Jesus leaving them, because Jesus kept talking about that he had this place to go, to be with the Father, and it would confuse them. These are the words he gave them. There's an advocate coming called the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is coming in my name and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said. You need to see that we need to be reminded of the things that he said. There's no need to worry because I'll be with you always, living in you, guiding you and teaching you everything that I've said. Folks, this changes everything about living a faithful life. So how do I know? This is the question I get all the time. How do I know it's the Spirit speaking to us? It's actually easier than you think. We tend to complicate it because we were naturally control freaks. We got to have control and we try to control the Holy Spirit and we try to control God just like we try to control our to-do lists and all those different things. Here's a simple way to look at what Spirit-led actually means. If you feel nudged to do something, you need to learn to test that nudge. So ask yourself this. If I were to do this thing that I'm feeling nudged to do that I think is God, ask ask yourself this. Is it within God's nature of love? So is is it loving? Does it 
show Jesus to others? Does it benefit others? Does it lead others toward Jesus? Does it represent redemption and forgiveness? You see, everything a faithful Christian does must be about doing God's will. And God's will is that we love him and that we love others. Folks, it's actually really that bare bones simple. This is God's will for your life, that you love him and that you love others. And that is the catalyst which births the rest of your life. So if you're feeling nudged to do something that isn't loving toward others, then you might be hearing from the wrong spirit. You see, God calls us to use our gifts for the edification of the body, not for our own personal edification. That is just sometimes a perk. So if you feel nudged to do something and it lines up with God's loving nature, then do it trusting Faith, having faith, trusting that God will be faithful. So just do it. Stop asking questions. Just follow the nudging because it's within God's nature and God will work with it. We need to stop thinking that somehow we're the ones that need to make that happen. We're actually just the ones that need to respond to the nudge. If it's outside of his nature, you don't do it. If it's in his nature, you just do And often, it won't make any sense. So let me ask you today. Are you making God the center of your life? Is God a deep part of your work life, your social life, your family life? Are you trusting God in all things, knowing that God himself is faithful? Do you live your life guided by God's grand narrative of redemption? Do you even know what I'm talking about when I say that? Have you learned to listen to the nudgings of the Spirit in fearless ways because of your faithfulness? You know, there are a lot of people in our church that live these things daily. And yet sometimes they don't even really realize they're living these things daily because they're not living them perfectly. But daily, they're asking God to guide them and to help them in each thing that they're doing each day. And so this morning, we wanted you to hear from one of those people from our church, to hear about what drives them to honor God in something that they are doing for him. Well, I'm here with Michelle Maltese. Michelle is our deacon of missions, so she's on our key leadership team, and she oversees the area of missions. So, Michelle, why don't we start off by you sharing a little bit about why you feel passionate about missions? Sure. I love to learn about God's big creative created world. It's a beautiful, beautiful world, and there are so many different places with different geographies and so many different cultures with different people, and... Um, I love learning about them and um, there's so many differences. We're all different, but you know what? At the same time, we're all the same. We're all human in the need of a savior. Amen. And not only are you uh, the deacon of missions, but you also are a life group leader and take leadership with uh, our first serving meals down at First Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. So you have a cool story of being a little uncertain about stepping out into these different 
uh, ministry areas, but feeling God's lead and stepping out in faith and in obedience to that, that guidance of the spirit. So could you share a little bit about kind of how you got to where you're at? Sure. Um, I believe it started when Natalie asked me to be on the congregational prayer list. And uh, when she asked me if I'd consider it, I thought, you're crazy. You're asking the wrong person. Um, I I can't do that. I'm way too nervous. Um, But she asked me to think about it and pray about it. So I did. And uh, when I thought about it, it's like you're asking me to pray to God. And I'm not going to say no to that. So I said yes, even though I was incredibly nervous, and the first time I came in to do it, and I told Natalie on my way by, I'm so nervous, and she said, God will bless you for it, and uh, I said, really? Like, I never thought of it like that, so, but you know what? Things have rolled out after that. Things rolled out, um, not, it feels to me like not long after that, uh, Dick asked me to consider the idea of being a deacon, and uh, again, I thought that that's not really me are you asking the right person and uh um after that um a friend caught me in the parking lot and said michelle like i can't i don't really feel like i can fit into the small groups that are offered here like there are too many people in this one over here and i don't feel comfortable sharing and maybe uh it's on the wrong date and somebody you know what not just one person but two or three people said the very same thing to me and I thought well like I love small groups and I value them very much and I have grown so much in them and I I, I attend one whenever I can but I don't like really am I supposed to lead one like (laughs) God is that what you want me to do so I I went to meal like relaunched life groups um I thought I'm gonna go for it and uh I am a reluctant leader, (laughs) but I said, God, I can't do it by myself. I can't do it. Thank you. Please help me to be a good leader. So um, at the same time, life group uh, with the idea of serving together, I knew that those two things go hand in hand and that we can grow closer to each other, closer to God and serve each other and and love people for Jesus Mm -hmm. this way. So so first serving had... uh, was on a break and I had before it was on a break I took Sadie a couple times when she was little and I wanted her yeah. to experience this uh this way of, of loving people and uh, she loved it but then the opportunity um wasn't there anymore so you know I someone asked me at the time like Michelle maybe you could do it and I thought for sure I cannot do that <laughs> because I don't know how to cook I get it for a hundred people like do you know how to cook for any people so um yeah but anyway bringing this life group together um god put a team together that had the different skills required Mm -hmm. even gave us a cook we we just felt led to even invite a specific person we didn't even know i didn't even know she could cook but she uh can cook very well and for lots of people and so god provided everything that was needed like always and uh, even um, a couple months ago, maybe uh, we were we're now serving over 100 people, but we shifted from planning uh, meals for 80 to shifting planning meals for 100. And uh, so we, you know, shop and and menu plan for that many people. But a couple times recently, 
um, you know, 111 people showed up and we had exactly 111 meals to serve. So <laughs> and, and uh, you know, God is providing for everything. It's so cool to yeah. see. And I, yeah. So exciting. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so how have you seen God moving in the midst of this in, in your life group and not for serving and even as a deacon? Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're growing together. Mm-hmm. We're connected and I feel connected in a time of isolation. I feel like I'm connected to these wonderful sisters and uh, we've made relationships with the people in the community, our guests who come to first serving. We we know them mm-hmm. and can care about their lives and, and know them now. I'm, it's really cool, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And thank you for being an awesome example of what it looks like to <laughs> step out in faith and follow the guidance of the Spirit, even when you're not sure. Clearly. Yeah, it's been really cool to see how God has moved in the midst of all of those things. Right. So, thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. so inspiring to hear stories of people stepping out and taking risks and responding in obedience to those nudges from the Holy Spirit and then experiencing God's faithfulness and moving in those situations. Maybe as you watch this service today, there's something that you've been feeling that God's calling you to do. And maybe you've been putting it off or overthinking it, or maybe fear's been getting in your way. Fear that you don't have what it takes or fear that you aren't hearing God properly. Well, there's no better time than right now to set that aside and to step out into what God's calling you to. And so as we wrap up this morning, let's take a moment to open ourselves up to God's guidance. What is that thing? What's that thing that you've been sensing the Holy Spirit nudging you to do? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be complicated. God loves to work in our normal, ordinary day-to-day lives. And if you're not sure whether what you're hearing is actually coming from the Holy Spirit, remember that Pastor Jeff gave us some really simple guidelines to help discern that. If you're sensing that God's calling you to do something that lines up with his character, and if it lines up with his call for us to love him and to love others, then it's worth doing. So what is it that God's calling you to do? And what's one practical thing that you can do today to step out in obedience? Is there a text that you need to send? Is there an email that you maybe need to send? Conversation you need to have? What's one practical step of obedience that you can take today? God is faithful, and it's so incredible that he invites us to join in on what he's doing in the world. Let's close this morning with a prayer that Pastor Jeff shared from the Book of Common Prayer this morning. Lord God, almighty and everlasting Father, you've brought me in safety to this new day. Preserve me with your mighty power that I may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversary. And in all I do, direct me to the fulfilling of your purpose. Amen.